Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Music Education Advocate Podcast, where we share stories and strategies to help support music education advocacy. My name is Jasmine A, and I'm your host. And today we have two fun and fantastic advocates coming out of the great state of California. We have first today, Ann Fennell, K-12 Music Program Manager for San Diego Unified School District and the California Music Educators Association President. Hey, Ann. Hi, Jasmine. Hello. And then we also have Russ Sperling, Director of Visual and Performing Arts for San Diego Unified School District and the CMEA Advocacy Representative. Hey, Russ. Hey, Jasmine. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Now, how's it going out there in California? Well, I feel like we are just uh, sliding on a rainbow, man. We just we have finally, finally, <laughs> for the first time in my entire life, I feel like we have opportunity with the dollar sign. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I feel the same. Like, um, I feel like Anne and I have been in this business a similar amount of time. And I think that she and I have been working on providing, in a, you know, a, a much broader and um, robust education in music and the arts uh, for our whole careers, 32 years for me. Uh, so this is, this is a new day, is about to dawn. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have to say, I think back to when I was teaching high school and there were years where I put $5,000 worth of purchasing on my credit card to get stuff because we had no budget. And I'm thinking, let's hope that never has to happen to anybody else again, ever, ever, because all education should deserve appropriate funding. So I celebrate those opportunities for people to feel that they are valued as well. Yes. I'm so excited to get into today's topic, but before we jump into that, I want to know, and I'm pretty sure the audience wants to know a little bit more about you and the roles that you play in your school district. So, Anne, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? So I'm so lucky I get to supervise uh, 33 elementary music teachers that teach at the 117 elementary schools. And so I'm basically the principal to all of the teachers and we have staff meetings and we try to unify, we're beginning to unify in what we're teaching and standards-based instruction and anti-biased, anti-racist work. I get to support them and we get to uh, come together and celebrate and learn from one another. And then with the secondary music teachers, uh, middle school through high school, I support them in any way that I can. And that might be one-on-one phone calls. It might be running to their site. It might be helping them purchase something. It might be, we provide professional learning opportunities with the music resource teacher. Uh, We are here for them. And because you know, there's singletons on a campus, right? So they're that one teacher might not have somebody to go through. There is never a day where I don't get a text from a secondary music teacher. Hey, do you have this? Tell me more about this. Where can I get this? So they have someone to go to because sometimes they don't have anyone to go to. And I feel lucky that I get to be a part of their world. And then we get district events. So um, working with Russ and other folks in the district to put on honor groups or experiences above and beyond, like getting to perform at Rady Shell, which is just the most phenomenal experience, or the honor groups getting to perform at the Civic Theater. So we make contracts with people. We find opportunities. We bring in artists. It's just everything plus dessert. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Russ? So um, I am the curriculum lead for the visual and performing arts. So that would be um, dance, media arts, music, theater, and visual arts. 
for um, the second largest school district in California, which is San Diego Unified. We have about 95,000 students. And so, and we have about 300 uh, visual performing arts educators, which is about to change. <laughs> We're going to have more. Um, and, and if you do the math and you compare it to maybe, maybe you're listening uh, from, you know, Florida or Texas or somewhere that, you know, we, we know that there is a, probably more educators per pupil than what we've been having here in California. So anyway, that's an aside. But um, my role is, you know, to be that liaison between um, serving the school board, the superintendent and, and the folks that I report to. Um, we also have a, uh, a nonprofit uh, foundation we call the VAPA Foundation for Visual and Performing Arts yes. um, that is raising money to support um, all of the arts programs throughout the district. And I have a, a rather robust office. Not only do I have Anne that I get to work with, but I have a total of, of 12 staff members who are both uh, managers and resource teachers that support the arts in our schools. And I think that these are some of the most amazing people um, that are, do, are doing in, incredible work on behalf of arts education in the district. And I think that um, others are starting to notice that we're doing this work. And, um, and so, hey, if you're listening out there and you wanna teach someplace pretty cool, um, San Diego- We want you. <laughs> San Diego could be your place. And, um, that, and that's really, you know, that's, that's my job is to try to create an environment for educators that they can thrive. That's mm. so when they're thriving, we know our students are going to thrive. Yes. And um, we really have uh, a new renaissance going here in San Diego. So that's super exciting. Woo. Uh, well, I'm ready to jump in to this thing called Prop 28. So you guys have been talking about some great things that are about to happen in California. What's Prop 28 and what does it have to do with music education and how do you think it's going to impact what you do? So even before what is Prop 28, it was the fact that Austin Butner and his team reached out to us and it was in November of 2021 with a very tight turnaround of, hey, can you check this out and look at the words? And so I was able to sit down with them and say, okay, this is okay, this is not okay. I had a little bit of pushback and I said, okay, I would like you to go through this entire document and I would like you to replace the word music with math. Does the wording work now? Is it strong enough? Mm. Once they did that, they totally understood what the huge picture was and the importance of every word being aligned with a true curricular experience in the school day. And then they, they took almost all of what we had suggested. There were a couple things that we didn't, we didn't really find, see eye to eye on, but for the most part, they ran with it. And then that helped us be a part of it. And then, uh, then Austin um, asked us, who do we have in CMA that could be the rep with it to always have that voice? And that was Russ. So Russ got to work with them as well, hand in hand. Yeah, and I'll just make sure that everyone knows who Austin Buechner is. Um, Austin was uh, superintendent for a Los Angeles Unified School District uh, for about three years. Um, he left somewhere in the pandemic. It's all kind of a blur. But um, <laughs> when, he told me um, that one of the things that he wanted to do as superintendent in LA was to greatly increase the arts education programming. And what it came down to is he could not find anywhere in the district that he could take the resources from, take away, so he could create arts education. And so he realized really it was a resource issue, which is something that I've been maintaining with people forever that, you know, we had this thing called Prop 13. Let's, let's go back even further. 
that passed. California was one of the top 10 states in the nation for education funding for, for kids. And in 1978, there was this thing called Prop 13 that massively cut property taxes and really undermined public education. And one of the things that went away were arts and music, and actually also at the time, athletics even went away. Not totally went away, but was greatly reduced. And I will tell you the personal story that when that was passed when I was in fifth grade. I was supposed to start on an instrument in band in sixth grade as a part of my elementary experience. And that went away. I did not start until seventh grade. So I still eventually became a trumpet player but, and did all that, but it had an impact. And it's something that we've been fighting, as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, uh, for 32 years to get back to this place. So um, California, and then, so then by the way, after Prop 13, California became one of the, the least funded states. So we have been um, doing arts and music in California from, from a position of scarcity from a very long time. We've been scrappily putting together. We have many incredible educators and fine programs, but these people have been basically doing it on their own. And there hasn't been a, um, a robust elementary, especially, program. And that's what's going to change. And I want to jump in, you know, we call it Prop 28. It's our language for it, but it's the art and music K-12 education funding initiative. And that it really just targets what it is. Um, and in for all of arts education, the five arts, right? So that it's really supporting what is possible, what doesn't exist, what is possible for the future, and to ensure in perpetuity that there is continual funding. That's what it really is. And that's going to help us. The funding that comes out of it, approximately 80% of the funding will be for credentialed and or certified, I want to say certified or classified educators to be in the classroom during the school day. 19% approximately will be for professional learning and supplies and that one, and then 1% is reserved for administrative fees. But it's really about and Austin was clear about this, you know, getting people in the classroom to teach, not just the book, not just the music, not just the art supply, but getting people in it because it changes lives. He talks about that in his own experience. That was part of his understanding of how he came to love and find himself in music. It was his own experience, how it gave him community and a place to be as his family moved around. So he, and he sees, and he knows he was, addressing this also that the arts create a culture in a school like no other and that how beautiful that opportunity to be for every school so funding in perpetuity to have this path pathway of arts education plus to create that culture and for california as well as all states to create a line to the creative economy without question yeah so i you haven't had a chance to ask a lot of questions yet because we're going to just kind of keep going. Yeah. Tag each other. It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to remember all of my things. I'm like, oh, we got to yeah. go back to that. Yes. Keep going. But, but what I want to say is that um, Prop 28 passed with 64.4% of the vote, which is the highest passage rate for any educational initiative in the state of California's his history. And this so, is a ballot initiative where ballot initiative. the people and, you know, we, of California said, this is what we want. Right. right. So not every, not every state has the initiative wow. process like we do in California, where right. with enough signatures, and it was a, we, we collected about a million signatures, which we in CMA helped do. Um, that's what got it on the ballot. 
And then that's what enabled the people to be able to vote for it. Austin was very clever in the state educational finance realm in figuring out the way to make this palatable to people. Um, and that's something that if you were to try to recreate this in your own state, you would have to really have like very strategic and understanding of how educational finance works. So we have this thing in the state called the Prop 98 funding guarantee, which is about 40% of the entire state budget. And that Prop 98 guarantee is what funds our schools K through 14, actually. It includes oh. community college in there. So that's that money. Now, when we, I first went to um, our school leadership, our district leadership, they were afraid that somehow this initiative was going to take that Prop 98 guarantee and carve it out and say, oh, here's the money you can have for arts and music. That's not what this is. Hmm. What it did is it took the, that amount of money that Prop 98 is and said 1% of that number, just the number, not the money itself, but the number, we're going to go over here to that other 60% of the budget, the state budget, and we're going to grab it right off the top. And then we're going to give that right into schools and it wow. goes directly to schools and it's divided up by enrollment. And there's even um, a, a third of it about is more for um, students with um, title title one status, right? So there's yes that equity piece that's built in. So everybody gets a base amount, and then schools with higher title one population gets a higher amount. Yeah. And because he's taking it right at, or we are as a people are taking it right out of that other side of the budget, it didn't raise taxes, mm. and that's why this that's why it passed. That's yeah. why it passed. Oh, you know, and gosh. I <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, well, it's, it's approximately like 200, well, it's $88 more per child with Title I. So, I mean, it, it's it's helping everyone across the board, you know. And so I love that that, that every child wasn't received, wasn't seen as the same because it's yes. going to actualize a little bit more in schools of need for sure. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I got to like pause because there's just so many things that I want to talk about with the both of you. And going back to that process of having Austin come to CMA, come to you and say, hey, I would like to get your input. The power of being heard and seen in this work. Oh, yeah. And you know what else? The power and good for him for co-creating something that was going to have the largest reach of collaborators, yes. including industry, including stars of many different areas. Um, gosh, I got to be on some amazing talk, you know, last minute talks on Zoom with different people and support it for networks. But I mean, really, he was very smart in how this rolled out because who is it going to impact the most? Oh, the teachers. Okay, let's go to those organizations and let's work with those folks. Oh, how do we get this message out? Let's go to those folks. And something that I, I really noticed, and I brought this up in a, a conversation earlier this fall, and that was that it was lovely to see people that were currently relevant in music and in the arts yeah. be the spokespeople, not people that were 20 or 30 years out beyond, um, but people that kids knew that got there was a buzz about it. People in their 20s of the voting age knew, got their buzz about it. It was very smart. And then again with industry, right? So industry came in. Um, NAM came in, the International Music Products Industry came in, or people known as the National Association of Music Merchants, mm -hmm. Guitar Center, other folks that came in there. So they targeted children, yes. they targeted 
relevant artists of all types, of all types of art forms, of multiracial groups. They targeted a, a, a relevant generation that is activated to vote. And that put a picture on it of, fu of future thinking for me. I looked at that and went, that was brilliant, man. Because really it got it out there fast. Yeah, and, and again, with a minimal budget. Oh my gosh, we didn't <laughs> see, there was not one ad on TV against it. In fact, one of their biggest concerns was on the ballot initiatives. You know, here it is for, and no one, no one wrote anything in opposing for it. It was a blank white page in the booklet. That is rare, if ever does that happen. So they, they were saying that actually, Prop 28 folks were saying, well, that could be concerning because if there's no negative voice, we don't even get that um, mm -hmm. lift a little bit. So they said, you know, just make sure that we're continuing to send the pop, proper messaging out. But it rolled on, what do we want best for children? And I think that's something to be said about coalition building and mm -hmm. finding as many positive points to yes. strengthen your the work that you're doing. The kids are the reason why we are doing this. But as you said earlier, Anne, if our teachers aren't in a good space, then our kids can't benefit from it either. So right. And so that part about it being about getting teachers into the classroom to support music education is another huge thing that I, I just was fascinated by in the thinking of Prop 28. So and you were telling me, did you say like a hundred and some elementary schools and you had how many elementary teachers, Anne? We have 117 elementary schools or a few more than that, but we only have 33 teachers, right? So they're itinerant. Yeah. And, and elementary Jasmine, you have to know, that's the largest group of elementary, elementary <gasps> music educators in our county, right, Russ? There are no other districts that have what we have. Yeah, well, to be fair, we do have about a dozen uh, prep time music teachers that are yeah. about, but that's not an equitable distribution. Mm -mm. So yeah, we, we are we are very understaffed. And so that is why this, and and I think, you know, to Anne's point about the messaging, I think one of the reasons this landed so well with so many people is because I think Californians as a whole for the last 40 years have had, have an intrinsic understanding that we have been under funding um, mm -hmm. arts and music in the schools. And so this resonated. They're like, yeah, there's not enough arts and music in the schools. This is something I'm for. I'll never forget taking the petition out um, to um, East County, San Diego, um, out where my brother lives. And this is fine if he listens to this, he won't listen to this. But um, I, I went out and um, so East County is, is known for being more of a conservative area. There was no hesitation mm. to sign this petition because they had an understanding around that there were not enough, not enough arts and music in school. So Austin saw a problem that people actually agreed upon no matter what their political stripe, which is what music education should always be, right? Crosses political lines. <laughs> and the arts, you know, and Austin said that, he's like, you know, it's not about a political line. It's about an experience for a ch child. And don't we want the best experience as possible for all children? Yes. I have to tell you the day after it passed, I wrote an email to all of the elementary music teachers and I said, you need to walk tall today because at that time, what was it 61 point some percent at that time? I had put that number in of that passage rate at that time. I said, the population sees your value and your worth and you are not marginalized by vote. You are being told people see your importance. 
there were people that I that I would talk to after that, and when we are we had our math staff meeting, and they were moved just by that thought because they've always felt like people don't care. They get shoved around. You know what it's like to be a, that itinerant person. And, you know, sometimes you get kicked out because school pictures are coming in and you got to find another space to teach, <laughs> all that real, reality stuff, right? But now they're seeing, oh my God, the general population sees that we are important. That was such a boost for them as human beings that their vocation is not wrong, that what they do is right for all people. That was huge, Jen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering with this 60 plus percent of the people in California saying, yes, we need to actually fund the arts. Yes. We need to fund these positions. What would you say to those parents that are, that might be listening to this podcast today and saying, how can that vote now be lived into action to help your child, your neighbor, your niece or nephew, grandchild, how do they get involved? So I would say that one of the great things also about this initiative is that all this money is going to the school site. Mm. And so there is a real community piece to this that, you know, a school, you know, parent organizations, there's all sorts of entities that are trying to backfill and make sure that students are having access to arts education and experiences. Mm-hmm. So it is an opportunity to have a voice in California, at least in that process of like, what is it that we would like to see? <clears throat> now in our district, we're looking at um, our central office supporting schools with um, different options. But at the end of the day, I really want to respect what it is happening you know, in, at a school site and what yeah. they want. They may have already figured out how to de- deliver visual art programming, or they may already have a cultural dance program at their, at their school, but um, they're the ones that can make a decision about what is best needed and to advocate for. Um, mm. At the secondary level, you know, the amounts of money that we're seeing, let me just talk about, for San Diego Unified School District, it's about $15 million. Wow. Um, that's going to be about 120 teachers mm. uh, at the 80% you have to spend. And um, uh, a school site like um, a, a high school of about 2,300 students, they're going to see in the neighborhood of $350,000, $400,000. And I have high school folks um, who, have, who I've talked to and say, you know, what we really need is a piano accompanist. We need mm-hmm. access to choreographers. It's sort of... I think for a lot of them, you know, they're, they're gonna, there's going to be programs where they, they want to put it into um, a full teacher equivalent and bring in a new teacher. Maybe they're missing a dance program, so they want to do that. Fantastic. Okay. Right? Um, but it might be that um, we, our parent organization has been funding a percussion teacher, has been funding a, a brass coach, has been, that's an opportunity now to not make the parents responsible Mm-hmm. that fundraising and as they do fundraise they can fundraise for experiences above mm-hmm. and beyond what we've been able to dream right about. you know i i want to jump in because i there is something else you know the old narrative has been oh we don't have money oh da 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 well now the expectation is money exists where does it happen on my child's side mm. so now the parent comes in as an advocate of expectations so a set expectations of 
Hey, that school has that. We have similar enrollment. Uh, do we get this as well? And we know the money is there because, by the way, um, not only that, it's going to be publicly identified and they have to document and you have yeah. to, at the end of the year, every school site has to, I love that dance, Jasmine. It's like, I am <laughs> dancing because this is beautiful. Right? You have to be, you have to document on, they're going to determine how this is going to be, but each school site has to document and write a report on how the money is being spent to not supplant, but to supplement. Mm. And what is happening? What are you buying with this? So they are held accountable. The accountability is part of this as well as a law. And so parents now can even lean a little bit harder on the accountability of an arts education, which, by the way, is ed code in California, right? Arts education is ed code, though it's not been followed or not been possible. So now they can say, oh, we need this for our children. This is about a whole child education. So they get to use their parent power to hold others accountable to ensure a proper education. Yeah. Get rid of the old narrative. And yeah. I, and I'll, just, I, I'll just add that this, another brilliant thing about this initiative is that none of this money can supplant, which is already there. We're familiar yes. with that term because of Title I, right? We know that right. we can supplant, right? So this is above and beyond. And this money, by the way, lasts forever. So mm -hmm. I, had this epiphany, like in five years, anybody can remember what was there back in 2022. Right. So we're going to do like an audit of where we are right now. So everybody Good. understands what the base is uh -huh. that you have to maintain. And then it's, this is Prop 28 is above and beyond. And, and so we're not yeah. accidentally supplanting in five <laughs> years because we don't right. remember what we had. Yeah, and that's that could easily happen. We had discussed that. Our biggest fear is you get a new principal in there. They don't know. They don't know. And then suddenly, like, oh my god, that completely took over that category. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to go back to what you were talking about um, the the your PTA raising funds to help support. Uh, I think he was said like an instructor for a percussion or something. And what like hit me like a ton of bricks is for those families. Um, and communities who are already stretched thin in resources, who don't have that kind of community space in place to be doing fundraisers, to be sending their kids out to raise money for trips and experiences mm -hmm. and instruments and all the little things that come with music education, right? They're outside of the classroom budget. Like what this initiative would do for helping alleviate that stress and strain of trying to raise funds in a community that is already stretched thin. That is freedom in a different way. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> well, you have I mean, to know that in California, you know, a free, free public education is truly a free public education. We cannot ever ask a child to pay for XYZ experiment. Mm. It's against the law in the state of California. So, you know, if whatever you're going on a trip and you have to, if you can't pay the 50 bucks, you can't go. No, it's not that way at all in California. So you have to have a booster organization that's going to raise those monies to ensure that it's everybody going. So yes, it'll be freedom. You know what it's going to do? It's going to provide opportunities like Russ mentioned to free that money up for other experiences, but it's going to help create an equity, if you will, or a balance. So it's an equitable experience without we know that child is can do it. We know that child can't do it. That mm -hmm. lens is very different now. And I'm hoping it erases any teacher label on a child. 
that it yeah. erases any, oh, we can't do that because of X, Y, Z, because not every group has a booster nonprofit. Not every school allows that even, or can do it because they don't have the nonprofit lawyer to help them create that. So it's going to provide more experiences, I'm hoping, a broader experience for all children, K, TK through 12. Because let's be honest, I mean, I talk about the percussion instructor. Um, we have those and that are being fundraised to, to be supported, but we have lots of schools that don't have a percussion instructor. They don't know what a percussion instructor, well, the kids don't know what the, that would be like because they, have, they don't have that resource. And so now there's this potential um, to do that. And that, you know, I think, I think parent fundraising and even kid fundraising is appropriate for the buy-in that that creates and the community that creates. Yeah. But they shouldn't be fundraising for the basic things it takes to run a program. Uh, right. We don't fundraise for pencils for math. <laughs> yes right uh gosh this is this is a, a fantastic conversation um but i also recognize that there are people listening that aren't in the state of california that <laughs> will not be able to benefit from prop 28 directly um that is unfortunate but uh that's another conversation for another day but my question is you know with all of these hopeful things all of these dreaming things that we're talking about, right? Like these dreams will come true. What do you think could help an advocate who's not in California, who's in a space and where they haven't been seeing any funding or don't know where the funding might come from? What are some things that you could provide some, you know, some suggestions or strategies for them? So I, I just want to um, say that um, California offers a ray of hope, right? Mm. That, that while this was a unique circumstance, we've been talking a lot about Austin Buechner, who was um, situated as a former superintendent of the nation's second largest school district. I mean, he had a very unique voice that he, and, and a set of experiences and connections that he added to this. But now everyone else can learn from that experience. Yeah. And, but this is, it's very clear that um, what made Prop 28 happen was a lot of work. Yeah. But if there is someone out there in another state listening and you feel like you're by yourself, that's not true. There is so many other people that want <laughs> what you want. And it's a matter of gathering up that coalition yeah, and figuring that out. And that I would also say that when, you know, I was um, in Ann's position as um CMEA president many years ago. And one of the things I learned very early on, um, and it just hadn't dawned on me this way, I think it was probably Mary Larson that told me, you know, we, we are not a, a large sector of music education mm. in, in the world. We, we think of ourselves as being this big deal, but we can't do this on our own. We have to connect not only um, with other music educators, which just with other music educators can be challenging, but that's <laughs> step one, but also with the other arts disciplines, but also with industry, mm -hmm. also with teachers unions, administrative support. Um, we actually have administrator of uh, teacher or uh, administrative union sort of a thing with the school board association, with um, the superintendents associations. I mean, there's just all these other layers to education and develop relationships with um, the, the politicians at the same level. There's so many, there's so much work to be done, but it's possible. 
Right. It can be done. And we are providing you with a little bit of a North Star to try to get there. And, and so, you know, I wrote down the first thing I wrote down as you were talking, I just wrote, never give up. But I also think, you know, we get, you get to be that source of positivity and you get to be that source of relentless opportunity for your students and your parents. And in that vision, they see opportunity. So in your vision, if you don't have anything like this in your state, what is your vision of opportunity within your group, within your community? Are you on the school site governance team? If you have that, what is your version of that? Are you seeing, how do you position yourself? Almost do like a little inventory of what, what are the arts seen like? What does music seem like in my school, in my district? Where are the gaps? How do I make myself seen and we get parents involved? Do you have parents going to board meetings? Do you reach out beyond the wall of the school? Because by the way, those were erased during the pandemic. How do we continue to move out and enlarge that you're always relentlessly moving forward with positivity and finding the opportunities, not being derailed and holding, holding others back because you only see the negativity. So it's position yourself in your school and be that voice, make sure your voice is everywhere in the arts. Yeah, and I, I love how you were asking questions. Like an advocate is curious. Uh -huh. and I think that, you know, this whole experience that you, that California has gone through with the election and, and voting this in, the initiative in and what's gonna happen with it, it starts with a question. Um, and being an advocate requires that you are curious about the possibilities. It requires you to hope and dream, even when that doesn't go the way you want. <laughs> yes, that's so beautiful, right? If, if we lose our hopes and dreams, then we are not holding out for what is the unknown next for our children. We don't know that, right? So we have to set them up for success to continue to move forward with that. That is our lifeline in the arts. Yeah. Our hopes and dreams have always kept us alive. And that is what we give to all children in this too. Yeah. And it, it, it's a, it's that work of building those coalitions and finding those people like Russ was talking about. It, uh -huh. it is having that dream out in front of you and having it as a daily, you know, speaking right. into existence, but also working and making sure that you're putting in both the imagination and dream. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, yeah. Russ. <laughs> <laughs> I, you guys were going off and I, I want to get in here for a second because I just want to say <laughs> that over the course of my career, I have seen a change in music educators' willingness to engage with adults. Yes. Yeah. Because that, I think, Jasmine, was not the case. I mean, when I took over CMEA, we talked about being advocates, but we were not doing the work. Right. Yeah. And and when I would stand up as, as uh, state president and start talking about advocacy things, I would see the eyes glaze over. Um, <laughs> Let me just do my concert. Yeah. <laughs> and this still happens. And this still happens to an extent, but not the way it was. Because we have made it at, at CMEA, we've made it part of our core work that we as a profession have to be advocates. We have to engage. And it's not someone else's role. It's not someone you could you point and say, well, so-and-so is going to take care of that. We have immense power as a profession if we band together and do the work because we have a relationship with our communities and our students that is above any other content area in the school. Yeah. And we have the power to do this, but we have to also do the work. And in California, we're on a Zoom every Tuesday morning with our law. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> past, immediate past president, myself as president, our lobbyist, um, president-elect, and our advocacy rep, which is Russ. 
And yeah, we sit there and we talk about what have you heard? I've heard this. Let's plan for this. We we every Tuesday morning at 7:15 a.m. And you know, it was Russ that started this our stand up for music day yeah. at the state capitol um, that happens now. We're gonna do it March 21st this year, coming up 2023. But you know, we did it in Zoom during the pandemic. And four years prior to that, we were all in Sacramento with performing groups, with the other arts orgs making sure that we are there talking and walking and getting industry folks with us. People mm. know us on the hill now, right? They on our hill in Sacramento, our little mound. But you know, <laughs> our issue. But you know, here's the thing. You know, we they they do, they know our lobbyists, they know of us. And I think had we not had that, I can't say that Austin Butner and the Prop 28 folks would have come to us. Because we have a presence. And this is what I do even as president. I email information out and, hey, check this out. Um, here's our open Q&A document for you. I mean, we are really there to support that. I, yeah. I just think back to Russ. I mean, I never had a class in advocacy, right? I think of all those college kids. That should be like they're, before they graduate, they have to have a semester in advocacy. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those on-the-job learning things that a lot of us just had to learn, right? Yeah. Um, anyways. There's a lot that could be learned from what you guys are sharing today. And I have had an absolute blast having this conversation. I've been doing my little dance. Yes, um, you have. <laughs> I've been watching you. I love your dances, Jasmine. Thank you. There are some just, just really awesome and amazing things that, um, that could happen. And yeah, getting funding is great. Getting teachers is great. But the most important thing is, is that kids are going to get access to life changing experiences and education. And that's why we do what we do. That's right. right. You know, as you said that, it made me think of, you know, you take math kindergarten all the way through, right? You take history all the way through and then you fall into, you make some choices about your career. If you're, if you have those opportunities and then you go to college in those opportunities you've experienced for 13, 14 years. And then you go get a job. And now finally, we're actually going to see a through line in the arts, kindergarten all the way through, that's going to help make choices that are gonna throw people into our creative economy. Mm -hmm. So now we have an actual pipeline into our creative economy, which has always been like hit and stop and miss and where do you live and all these things. So now it's going to be a through line. Yeah. yeah. So I always like to ask people, do you have any questions for me? Well, you know, Jasmine, I, you and I first met, I think, in Las Vegas at our Western. Oh, when was that? Oh, 2017, 2016. Something, yeah. Around there. And um, I, I could just tell you were a firecracker at, at, you know, when I met you at that time, and that you were going to make some stuff happen, and you were just, I think, onboarding as uh, North Carolina president, something like that. Yeah. And um, I remember just having great conversations with you. And, um, but then you hopped over to NAFME. And so what's that been like? <laughs> it has been wild. And I like to describe it as wild because when I picture wild, I think of a field of flowers. And I know that sounds strange, oh, that's but cool. it is, it's kind of like everywhere, but yet put it all together and it is 
beautiful and magnificent and breathtaking and you don't know what's next, but it's like, oh, look at this over here. I mean, it's probably not the best and most eloquent way to describe it, but it is this beautiful and wild experience. My hope and dream is to be able to teach advocates, no matter if they're teachers in the classroom, parents, community members, administrators, legislators, how to be advocates for music education, wherever you are, not just in funding, but in access and in equity. And it has been the most beautiful experience. Um, Yeah. And I will tell you, this is why I do what I do, because every child deserves access. Every child deserves access. Every advocate deserves a way to participate so that their voice can be heard about providing access. Those are closing words. Oh my God. (laughs) Amazing closing words that really wrap this whole conversation up. Amen. Uh, But we have to end and I have appreciated both of your time. So thank you for being with me today. And to our listeners, I hope that you go and make music, provide access when and wherever you can. And let's see where we go from here. All right, y'all. Thank you all so much. Pleasure, Jasmine. I thank you for the opportunity. Bye.